Okay, we are learning Daf Nun Gimel. And we are starting six, seven lines down by Taner Rabbanon. And we're talking about this idea of the deadline of beer. So the idea, the concept of beer, again, is that you're allowed to eat the Shemitah produce. Uh, it's all free for anybody. But the, the, the idea is that you can't eat it in your house after the time where it's... Where it's um, no longer available for animals or anyone out or anyone else out in the fields. And we divided the country into three regions, and region by region, so you have to check. You know, if you want to eat grapes in your house that you have, are grapes still available out in the field? If they're not available anymore out in the field, then you're not allowed to eat grapes in your house. So the Gemara tells us more about these deadlines. You can eat the grapes in your house until the dalios of ochel are gone. So. The dolios are the, uh, all the vines, which is produce a grape. So all the vines are gone in of an ochel. So ochel is a place. Ochel is a place that used to have a lot of vineyards. So it was like the go-to place. It doesn't have to be ochel, but that was like, you know, the, the standard way of checking. And that's why the price is helping you out. It's saying this is like usually the last place that has grapes. You go to ochel, check if there are still vines. But the Brisa clarifies. Let's say there happen to be other vines, other places where they have grapes, which are later than that, than Ochlan Alam. Then you can eat still in your in the grapes in your house because of the fact that these other ones are still available. What about olives? You eat the Shemitah olives that you took inside until the last one in Tekoa is gone. So Tekoa was very famous as a place. Actually, tells us it was by Beis Lechem. It was very famous as a place that had that had a lot of olives. For example, the Beis Hamikdash, when they were going for for olives, they would usually go to Tekoa. Uh, so that was a good place to check to see if the the, the olives are still available in the fields. Rabbi Lezer He gives a different place to go to look to the olives until the last part of Gush Chalav are gone. Uh, Rashi says it was in the territory of Usher. Usher is, is blessed for his olives, so also had a lot of olives there. Now. The price the then continues and gives you some parameters for how much, how many. Like if there's one olive you find out in the field, is that enough? Or does it have to be somewhat significant? Kadeshi ani yodze. It's much to eat from the olives inside. As long as a poor person can go out looking for olives. He wouldn't be able to find a rova, which is a certain amount of, of volume. Um, it's the amount of six eggs. So you wouldn't be able to find that volume, not in the main part, in the branches, or in the main part of the, of the tree. So what do we see? What this concept is, that it sounds like he has to be finding a certain significant amount. Um, that's the idea. It's like, it's not just to find one. Okay. Uh, and then what about for the dried out uh, figs? So dried out figs, you're allowed to continue eating them until the figs of Beishini are totally gone. So Beishini, that was like Rashi says it was near Yerushalayim. Their figs were usually not that good, okay? And they weren't high quality and they usually didn't grow that much. But we're saying they're still considered figs. So therefore, if they're still around, then you could still eat the figs that are in your house. So the Gemara comments upon this because it sounds like we're saying, we're saying here that the figs of Beishini if they're still around, then you could uh, eat the figs that are in your house. So the Gemara comments on that. These figs from Basini, which don't mature fully, are, are only considered fruit. Only in the laws of Miser. That the, the figs from Basini and the dates and Tuvyana uh, should have Miser. But we're saying they're not regular fruits. And that's, that's the point that we're saying. Uh, when you're looking at the din of beer and you want to establish what fruits are around, still available in the field, to know if you can still eat it in your house, then you're supposed to be 
looking at what's a normal fruit out in the world, out in the regions. If you find one random base heaney, non-mature fig, which is not a good one, not a high quality one, even if it's, even if it's technically chayv and meiser, since it doesn't mature and ripen regularly, it can't be used as a standard and say, oh, the fruits are still available out in the field. The fruits available in the field should be the regular quality ones. These specifically, these, these non-mature ones shouldn't be counting. We are up to the, there's a two dots, Anun Gimel Amid Aleph, about maybe 15 lines down. So we're, again, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, beer and the concept that, that you can only eat with stuff from Shemitah that you brought into your house if it's still available out in the field. And we're going to go back now. Actually, we're analyzing uh, some of the Bryce's laws about what type of things are available. So Ochlan about tomorrow, you can eat dates from palm trees. So we were talking about in the region of Yehuda, until the last palm tree in Tzohar had already has lost all of its fruit. That's like Tzohar is like usually the last thing to be around. So you go check Tzohar. As long as Tzohar has fruit, uh, then, you're, then, then you're good to go. Shemim gam liol omer, ochum al shbeis ha'kibin ve'in ochum al shbeis ha'shitzin. Let's say sometimes you have the wind which blows off the dates. So if the dates are, are stuck between the palm branches, then they're still called available because the animal can climb up the branches and get it. But you cannot eat based upon if it's, if, if it's between the, the thorny areas and the bottom of the tree because there it's difficult for the animal to get it from between the thorns. It gets pricked. It's difficult for it to get it. So that's not called available to the animal. And this is the same concept. You can eat it as long as your animal can get it. So what if it's out there? It's out there, but it's stuck in between the thorns. We're saying that doesn't count. So that would sometimes happen that the wind would blow them off the growth and would get stuck in between the thorns of the tree. And that's Rebuda's point. Rebuda's point is don't count that as the, oh, there's fruit that's still available out in the field. Okay, great. So that's what the price is ruling here for your eating your dates in Yehuda. You want to be checking out those lost palm trees out in the, the town of Tzohar. So the Gemara asks, Uraminhi, but we have a contradiction between this price and another price. So it says in the second price, Pesach. Grapes. So until now, we've been, you know, naming specific fields and specific places, like go check if it's still available. This price has a very different approach. It gives you time. It says if you want to know how long grapes are available, just assume that they're also after Pesach. So this means after Pesach, usually all the grapes will be taken out. If you're talking about olives, usually they last longer out in the field until Shavuos. By Grogos out of Hanukkah, dried figs go much longer. It makes sense because the dried figs sit there drying out in the field until Hanukkah. By Tamarim and the dates out of Purim, all the way until Purim. Switched the last two. So meaning it should say the dates are until Hanukkah and the dried figs are until Purim. But either way, What's the kasha? We were saying all these other halachos about when you know the beer is. We name specific locations, specific fields. Like we said, soar, that's the, that's the tree. You should go check for it to know if you can eat dates. Here in this brisa, we just randomly name a time. We just said whatever it is. Hanukkah, once it comes Hanukkah, then you can't eat the dates anymore. You have to assume that it's this man of the beer. So which one is it? Is it based upon a metzias of the date being in soar? And I go out and examine if it's on the tree there. Or is it just based on a certain time? And at that time it comes, it already doesn't exist. So the Gemara tells us a very simple answer to this. Either both prices are saying the same thing. In other words, what the price is saying is that Hanukkah is the time when you won't find the dates anymore in Zohar. So one price was telling you a time when the assumption is made, and one price is telling you the Metzias that it's based off. Obviously, it's not based off the time itself. The din isn't based on a time. The din is based on the availability of the fruit. So one price tells you which trees there are that usually generally still have at last the fields of the dates of palms and so on. And the other price has told it to you when generally it's true that you will not find it there. If you eat by Yisema, or if you want, you can answer. And this is something that we learned in the top of the price earlier today. Haktani Behedya, it says outright in the price before, that when we name a specific trees, we don't mean 
We don't mean that it's dependent on them. If you would find other grapevines or something or other palm trees that have the fruit available longer, then you can eat based upon them. We didn't mean that specifically only this tree is what matters. So the second saw could be telling us a, you know, a specific timeline as, as the time. And the first one is telling us uh, where it could be, where it could be found somewhere else available in the land of, uh, of Zohar. So either way, it doesn't really sound like there's a machlokas. That's the bottom line. Everybody's agreeing that uh, it could go over based upon the availability of the fruit. So it wasn't so entirely clear to me in the second answer of the Gemara what we mean to say. If we're not saying EDVE Chachiura, so what are we really saying? It's like it wasn't so clear. We're giving a place to go to, but if there are later ones, you could also eat based on the later ones. So the Kitsur, it's just a suggestion to go out to the ones in Soar. It's kind of meaningless, though, to say the din really depends on them. Okay. I guess you could say, like, maybe there's a Chazaka if you're lazy to go check and you normally know it's something like that, but okay. Now, once we're talking about trees here and things being available, now the Gemara just gets onto a tangent relating to different types of uh, trees. So the Gemara says, Tanya, it says in Rashi, Shemim Gamliel, Shemim Gamliel says, Simen laharim milin, a simen, which means like almost like a defining characteristic of a mountain. A mountain is a place where there are milin. Milin is a type of tree. I'm not familiar exactly like what, what exactly it is, but there's a certain, certain nuts or something that grow on this tree and it's available specifically in the mountains. So now the, what the Bryce's point is, that's a simon to be a mountain. If the mountains are missing, you have a mountain terrain and it's missing this tree, it's not a mountain. Who cares if it's not a mountain? It is a mountain, so we'll see. Simon la makim, a simon that you have a valley is the column that you have date trees. And obviously we're working with the, with the geography here in Israel. You can't say this as a broad you know, statement throughout the world, but in Israel, a valley has a, has a palm tree. That's the key. That's where date, date, dates are grown. Simon la nachalim, what's a simon? What defines a stream? Kanim, that there are a lot of reeds. Simon la shvela, and what's a simon for, for, uh, for an empty spot of land? And shikma, a sycamore tree, meaning usually trees have fruit. The sycamore tree, it's defining ideas that it doesn't have any fruit. So that's, that's like if you just have a flat, you know, empty piece of land, that's what a shvela is called. The shvela is not high, it's not low, it's just empty flat land. You'll see that there are only shikma trees there. You might not have a proof from this, but I'll at least get a hint to this from the following pasuk. This pasuk of Malachim, Yitana Malchazakatsu, the king made silver in Yerushalayim. This dogma of Shlomo, he made so much with silver in Yerushalayim, that you found silver as much as you find a stone. That's how available silver was. And he made the cedar trees were just as much as sycamores are available out in an empty shvela. So you see that the, from this pasuk, maybe not as in conclusive proof, but you see that it's in simon, it's indicative of what a shvela is, is that you'll find sycamore trees. Okay, all right. So now we want to know who in the world cares about these simonim. So simon laharim milin, simon lamakum dekalim, the first two points are talking about different types of fruit trees, that there are certain, the, certain, the, the nut tree that, that, that grows in the mountain and the date tree which grows in the valley. And Afkamin al Bikurim makes a difference for Bikurim. It says in the Mishnah, even if you Bikurim, El Meshivas Aminim, you can only bring in Bikurim from Shivas Aminim. That's not our right in the Pasuk, but it's learned with Xer Shava. The Dara says pre, and we learn Xer Shava that it only means the seven fruits that Eretz Yisrael is praised with. And even within the seven fruits, you don't bring from any, day, from any days that grow in the mountains. Or you don't bring from any grain like, like, like wheat or barley that's growing in a valley. What's the pshat? Bikurim is supposed to be high quality. You're thinking Hashem. So the dates, they get ruined by the mountain. Actually, they get burned. They get burned. It's actually not good for them. So 
That's what the point that we're trying to say. This simon for a valley is that a valley has date trees because that's the place for the dates to grow. And the opposite for the, uh, for, 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 for the mountains, that's where it's supposed to have these, these, uh, these milin. But if I'd have the other way around, which is not, kind of like inferred from it, not said outright, if I'd have wheat or barley growing in a valley, it actually wouldn't be good for it. Uh, Rashi explains the idea is that you have sometimes like water which runs down and might ruin the grapes. Uh, I might ruin the grain, which is growing c- close to the ground. So bottom line is, what we're trying to say is that dates belong in a valley and grain belongs in a higher place. Uh, and, and the Navkamina is, in Hilchos Bikurim, where L'Chathchila you should be bringing uh, your first fruits from. Okay. Simon L'Nachal Kalam. Then we said the simon, the defining idea of a stream, is the fact that there are reeds there. Navkamina L'Nachal Eson. Nachal Eson is mentioned in the Torah by Egla Rufa. The dead body is found. You don't know who did it. So there's a kingdom go and it says that they, they decapitate the, the calf. It's supposed to be done in... In uh, Nachal Eisen. So Nachal Eisen is supposed to be specifically by the, by a stream. So what defines halakhically streams? So we're saying, if you see some flowing water, but if it's a stream, but if there's no reeds, it's not a Nachal. It's an interesting idea. Like we're saying now, it's a din. If there aren't reeds that are found in that area, then it's not kosher for Egla Rufa. Simon Lashvela Shikma. And what's this idea for the, what defines a plain, flat area of land is for, that it has the Shvela, the Shikma tree. Nafkimino Mekachom Memkar. It's all about Nafkimino's in disputes that comes out of Mekachom Memkar. You know, somebody says, I'm going to sell you a, a, a Shvela. But Lamaisa, if there's no, if there's no sycamore trees there, then the guy, the buyer can say, I didn't agree to such a thing. And how the Gemara says, once you're saying that all of this is just to explain the way people think of certain, uh, certain pieces of land, so maybe all the nafkaminos here from Mecca, someone said, I'm buying a valley from you and there were no day trees, he can come back and say, hey, that's not what the valley I intended for, so on and so forth. Okay. Now the Mishnah moves on and this parak is going to become one big tangent. We're just going to move on to different types of minhagim. So there's a minhag, Malcolm Shinagu, Limkar Behema Dakla Nachum. If it's a place where people have the custom that they do sell small little Behema Dakla, what's Behema Dakla? Like a goat or a sheep, tiny little as a domestic animal. So if the minhag is that they sell those to Gaya Mocha, then you can sell them. Malcolm Shinagu, Limkar Behema Dakla, a place where the minhag is to refrain from selling them in Mocha. And so then that town, it's a binding minhag that they're not allowed to sell them. Why would there be a minhag not to smell, not to to sell uh, sheep or goats to Gaim. So we'll see in a second because the mission continues with a home home and any place in Mokom you're certainly not allowed to sell them a big, strong, uh, big, big, big animal like, you know, a cow, a horse, donkey, camels. Those types of animals certainly are prohibited. Whether they're, whether they're a golem as a, as a, as a calf, a different type of that type of animal, whether they're healthy or shvur and whether they're broken. So what's the concept? The concept is it comes from the Gemara in Avodazar. The Gemara in Avodazar says as follows. We're scared for two things. Number one is that you might be the owner and you might rent it to a guy right before Shabbos. And then it turns out it's your animal that the guy is working on Shabbos, which is forbidden because it's even you, so if it's your animal that's being, that's being worked on Shabbos, that's forbidden. Or it could be that you might be selling it to him right close to Shabbos and the guy might want, want to take it for a test run to see if it works well. And you might call out to it and cause it to do the work on Shabbos, which is a violation of mechamer, a violation of making your animal do work on Shabbos. So either way, the Rabbanan said you're not allowed to sell animals that do work like the Himagasas, like a big cow, an ox, or something like that. You're not allowed to sell those to Gaim. It was like a restriction that, that is definitely there. The question is, did the minog become that to protect that, we say don't even sell small animals? That's the question. Then that, that depends on the minhog. And really, sheep or goats aren't a problem. Those aren't made to do you know, big work out in the field. So that's just a question based upon minog. But in terms of selling big ones, you're, not, you're definitely an ikr adin, not allowed to sell the big ones. And the Tanakhama's view is that even if it's a, as a broken, you know, something broken about it, that it can't do work, it's still awesome. And the idea is the Rabbanan made it uh, an unequivocal type of xera where even if the reason doesn't apply, 
why they still said it's Aser. Whereas Rabbi Yudah Matar Bishvura, Rabbi Yudah says as long as it's broken, it's allowed because Rabbi Yudah says go after the reason. The reason is because it might do work on Shabbos. It's not a problem if it's broken. Ben Besira Matar Besus. Ben Besira is Matar a horse. The Gemara in Avodah explains that he's talking about a riding horse. And the idea is that Chayno says Atma. So a riding horse never does a Malacha Daraisa. Because if somebody rides on it, the, the horse is not, is not considered to be carrying. So therefore, we didn't answer the riding horses. Okay, continues the mission on another custom. If it's a place where people eat roasted meat on the night of Pesach, Ochlan, you can eat it. But if it's a place where people have the minog not to eat roasted meat on the night of Pesach, in Ochlan, here we don't eat it. So we're very familiar with this custom, right? So the idea, and we'll see in the Gemara where the custom came from, not to eat it. But that's again, it's a minog based after the Chorban. After the Chorban, don't have the Karman Pesach. We don't want people to think that maybe this is a Karman Pesach. People come to consecrate it. People are mocked to shit. We don't want that. We don't want that happening. So therefore, we say, just, you know what, just don't eat roasted meat at all. That's the concept of where the minnow comes from. So now the Gemara continues with some of these dinams. They're forbidden for a person to say, this meat is for Pesach. Even though you don't intend to necessarily be maktashit, you know you can't be maktashit. I mean, you could be maktashit. Let me, let me phrase it differently. You could be maktashit something to the base of mikdashide, and it becomes asr bahana. The scary part is that you have nowhere to, nothing to do with it, no, no one to give it to, and you're stuck with it until be as gold tzedek. So, like, you're really stuck. You don't want to do that. So, where Yudha Marav is saying is that a person shouldn't even use words that could be confused as a maisach dasha. Don't even say, this meat will be for Pesach. Because by saying, this meat for Pesach, it can be misunderstood as saying you're being maktashit. Kedusha's Dhamman for the carbon Pesach. Nishinir Kamakdash Bamto looks like you're being Makdash Bam of Ochel Kachimachots. And then once you're Makdash it, it further can even give the appearance like you're eating Kachim meat um, outside of Yerushalayim. This is only by meat that a person shouldn't say that. Not by wheat. You could say this wheat is for Pesach. Everyone understands that it means the wheat is being guarded to make matzah on Pesach. It certainly doesn't mean that it's Kedushas Dhamim to go buy an animal to bring a carbon Pesach. So such a thing is not a problem. Says the Gemara Basar Law, are you telling me that by meat there's such a din that you can't do it? Mesa, but look at the Brisa. Here it says, Amar Rabbiosi, Rabbiosi says, Todos Ishromi. There's a person, Todos, the person of Rome. So it's very unclear who exactly this was, but he was a Jew. He was a Yid, we'll see in a second. He lived in Rome. He was, he was very Chashiv. He's after the Chorbin. Hinegis B'nei Rome. He started a new custom for the Yidin out in Rome. Lechel Gdim Kolasim that they should eat roasted, uh, baby goats. On uh, Seder night to remember the carbon Pesach. There was no carbon Pesach, but he said, and they should eat the Mikulasan. Mikulasan means that they're full, whole full animal. Mom's like the carbon Pesach. They would stick the innards of the animal inside and then roast it fully like that, which is the way the carbon Pesach was roasted. We'll learn in the seventh parak. So he instituted everybody should do that. Why? To remember the carbon Pesach. Sounds like a great minnow. Not for the fact that you're todos. And because you're todos, evidently that intimidates us. We'll see more about that. Because we would put you in cherem for doing this. You're making Jews eat kachim bachot. So the Gemara says, what does that mean, kachim bachot? Kachim No one was actually maktishin. No one actually brought it as a carbon. Why is it kachim bachot? So the Gemara says, it's close to causing people to eat kachim because people would assume maybe this is really a carbon pesach, and maybe people will say, hey, there's no carbon pesach, there's no base to make this today. You can bring a carbon pesach in your backyard, and then people will assume, hey, that's what this is. It looks exactly like the way the carbon pesach is supposed to be. So because of that, the rabbanon discouraged this practice that uh, that that Toda started. In fact, that they said they would have put him in chair. So now, what does that have to do with us? Makulas in, Shein Makulas low. It sounds like the problem is only because it was totally roasted with the inside, just like the carbon pesach. It looked like the carbon pesach. That's the problem. But if it would just be to eat meat that is roasted, it doesn't sound 
sound like we object to the concept of eating roasted meat. It sounds like the problem is only specifically because it's, it's eating a Gadima Kulas. So why is Rav answering it? Rav was saying that you can't even say a piece of meat, Zela Pesach. So there should be an Isra to say this thing is for Pesach. And here we see the rabbis objected only to eating a fully roasted uh, uh, Gedim Mekulos on Pesach. So the Gemara answers, there's two separate objections. Amri, Mekulos, Lo Shamar, Lo Shamar. The issue with eating the roasted meat is even without saying anything. Don't eat a fully roasted meat because someone might think it actually is a carbon Pesach. That's the issue that they had with Todos Yishromi. Then there's another Din Sheinu Mekulos. If it's not fully roasted, not a full animal, perish. In. If someone shouldn't say, meaning in that there's an objection, someone shouldn't say this meat is for Pesach because it might look like you're designating it in its value to bring an animal later as a common Pesach. But low peers, where you didn't say that low, then there's no objection. So the Gemara is basically saying we have a totally different issue here. Our, the different issue is that if someone says Basar Zet Le Pesach, he makes a verbal statement, this Basar Le Pesach, someone might understand that it's a Hakdasha on, the, on this meat. So, so that's specifically to you saying, if you said it, and then the Hanami, that objection is there even on one random piece of meat. Then there's another objection that even if you're not saying anything, nothing to do with the Maishak Dasha, just that itself, to eat on carbon Pesach, to have a, to have something which looks like the carbon Pesach, a Gedim that obviously will be another objection in the sense that people will think it was a carbon that was offered. And they say, Basar Zela Pesach. So it's a good question. A very good question. I don't know. I got to look into some of these practical halacha based on this. But that seems to be what Rav Yudah is saying. Don't say, Basar Zela Pesach. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because the idea is that someone might say, when you say Pesach, you mean that it's going to be for my, for a carbon Pesach. You're going to use the, the value, sell it to bring a carbon. Rav Acha said that this b'risa with Todos was Reb Shimon. In other words, we said that it was Reb Yossi who said that they were critical of Todos. Here in the second b'risa, it says that it was Reb Shimon. So the Gemara says, If it's Reb Yossi, I understand that Todos, why, why the Rabbanim were very upset about Todos. If you say that it was Reb Shimon who said that the Rabbanim were upset, well, how could that be good that Reb Shimon would object? We know of a Mishnah. The Mishnah here is a Menachos. The, the case is that someone said, I'm I'm going to bring my mincha from barley. Now, someone says, just understand the case. If he would just stop right there, he'd be chayv to bring a regular carbon mincha. Carbon mincha is only brought from wheat, most a private individual mincha. But then he continued, I'm going to bring it from barley. So what's the din? So there is no mincha that you bring from barley as an individual. So, but he said, so what's the deal? So the Tanakhama there says, the ikr of what a person says is the first part. So he's obligated to bring a mincha. What's a mincha? A wheat one. Ah, he continues, we disregard that statement. Whereas Reb Shimon continues, Reb Shimon Poter, he says he's totally Poter, he didn't donate like a normal person. Now Reb Shimon's, this is very important to understand this, Reb Shimon's Shita is based on two principles. Number one is that we don't say Tfos Lashon Rishon, but rather Af Begvar Dvar of Adam Nitfas, that a person means just as much the end of what he said as the beginning. So I can't just say Harai Le Mincha is the Iker. No, so I hear the whole statement. And if I hear the whole statement, then he's Poter. Uh, why? Because there's no Mincha from barley. Although you could say, yeah, but no one would issue a meaningless statement. And if he did just issue, no, if no one would issue a meaningless statement, then everybody knows there's no such thing as a mincha from a barley. He must mean to say and obligate himself, even if it won't free you from barley. Reb Shimon says, no, I don't agree to that. If you don't say it in a way that makes sense, if you say, mincha min so that's a meaningless statement. We throw it out. So what does the Gemara mean? What does it have to do with us? 
So the point that the Gemara is assuming is that when someone says basar basar zeh lehektish, and this is possible, and Michael, this might get to your answer a little bit. It sounds like from the Gemara, and Rashi learns here that the the case is where a person has the meat is that it's already. It's already later, meaning you're already at the point that, 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 that it's a roasted piece of meat. It's already at the point that it's after the time that you would have been able to bring it for a karva. So that's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a normal way to be maktish to Pesach at this point. And this is where it's interesting because it's different than barley. It's more about timing. By barley, it's the wrong entity. And here we're saying, this is not the derech to make your maisa haktash for Pesach. Normal derech maisa haktash for Pesach is that you go over to an animal and you say, this is my karva. Saying basar zel haktash would be a very funny thing. We'd have to say, what do you really mean? You mean that the value of this meat really should be, do, should be designated to go buy an animal at some later point because that doesn't, right? Or else it just doesn't make sense what you're saying. You can't bring the piece of meat as a karma. So that timing is off. It's already a piece of meat. So according to Reb Shimon, we don't do that. We just take it. We don't say we have to make meaning out of the words. Reb Shimon doesn't say that. So then it wouldn't make sense for Reb Shimon to be objecting with Todos Yishromi because there's no problem. It's, it's like a wild thing. So the Gemara says back, What? If you go like Rabbi Yossi, then it's better? If it's Rabbi Yossi, then we understand why the Rabbana would object. Rabbi said, This concept in the barley case that we say, not according to Rabbi Shimon, but rather, you know who the source of that is? Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is from a very famous Mishnah in Timura, quoted a bunch of times. Someone said, Someone says, I raised with Timura's Ola, I raised with Timura's Rameir says it's a Tamuras Ola because the first thing is Chal, the second one's not. Rabbi Yossi in the Mishnah on Tamuras says, Af the same concept that you listen to both statements together. So it's both a Tamuras Ola, both Tamuras Shlaman, which it can't be, which means you wait for it to get a mum, you sell, you sell the proceeds, and you split it between Ola and Shlaman. So Rabbi Yossi is the one who says, Rabbi Shimon who says, the fact that he doesn't just say it's Chal, he got it from Rabbi Yossi who says, So my love is Rabbi if Rab Shimon came off Rab Yossi, so we should assume Rab Yossi holds like Rab Shimon as well. Meaning, if you say, so we listen to both parts, and just like Rab Shimon said, if I listen to both parts, then we just say it's a meaningless statement, presumably Rab Yossi would agree to that also. So whether you teach it's Rab Yossi or Rab Shimon, it doesn't make any sense. This concept of Todas Veshromi is not going to be Kederach So So the same way you object to it being Vishem Rab Shimon, you should object to it being Vishem Rab Yossi. Obviously, the Gemara is making a leap that if Rab Shimon holds like Rab Yossi, Rab Yossi holds like Rab Shimon. Because again, Rab Shimon is based off two points. Number one is Bigvar Dvar Nitvas. So you don't just hear Harei Mincha. You also hear Minas Orim. And number two is when you hear Harei Minas Orim, you don't have to make meaning of it. That's the whole premise of Rab Shimon. You don't say people don't waste their words. No, maybe people would waste their words. So if it, what he said itself doesn't make sense, I don't have to try to make sense of it. So, so the Gemara is assuming if Reb Shimon held like Reb Yossi, Reb Yossi holds like the second point of Reb Shimon as well. And that's the Gemara's answer that it's not true. Low, Reb Shimon is not like Reb Yossi. It's true, Reb Shimon holds like Reb Yossi, the Begvar Adam of the Nitvas. But if low Reb Yossi, so Reb Shimon, Reb doesn't hold like Reb Shimon. He holds that if someone says something which in and of itself in the literal sense doesn't make sense, it would be null and void. We basically have to make meaning of it. 
we would be forced to do that. And that's based upon the principle, a person doesn't make, you know, statements for nothing. So when a person says something without it trying to make sense, we have to like try to like finagle some sort of meaning uh, out of it. And when the guy said, we say, no, he really wants to be of himself in a normal mincha, which is an interesting idea. So the Gemara is saying the same thing here with Todos. Even though it's not Kederach HaMesnadim, he's saying the piece of meat should be a carbon, we would be forced to say, because he really means to be Maktish, the Dumim as a carbon, and then bring uh, bring bring from the from the proceeds. He would bring an animal. So bottom line is that was the objection. Reb Shimon, it's not a problem because Reb Shimon says a person would waste their words. So it's not kederach hamis nadim. So according to Reb Shimon, we wouldn't have an objection with Reb Yosi with, with, with Todos his minog. Mashenkin like Reb Yosi. Reb Yosi may hold but he also holds in the motzi So therefore, he would have an objection with the Minog of Todos. Okay, so now that the Gemara cleaned up who's the one who objected, it's Reb Yossi, it's Reb Shimon, very technical issue. Now the Gemara has a fascinating little discussion here, which is this week's Parsha. What do we mean he was a Gavar Rabba, so we didn't put him in a Cherem? Does that mean he was a, a Chosh of a person? So we didn't, out of respect to him, we didn't want to put him in Cherem? Or does it mean he was too powerful for us to put him in Cherem? We were scared of what he would do if we put him in Cherem. So the Gemara Tashma, Ozu Darsh Romi. Romi once said a Dvar Torah. So if he said a Dvar Torah, that's going to be proof that he's a good guy. Because what did he say? He said it's false. What inspired Hanan Mishal Azariah? Later on in Jewish history, to jump into the furnace, into the furnace, to mimkadeshim shemayim. Where did they get the inspiration? Nosu kavachomer ba'asum tzvardim. They made a kavachomer about themselves from the tzvardim. Amat tzvardim shem tzuvach kedush Hashem. Tzvardim, which are not mechuliyev in kedush Hashem. Ksibu, it says in our this week's parsha. All of v'sachov tana rechem m'sharosecha that they're going to go into your house, into your palace, paro, into your ovens, and to the place where you make the dough. Imosam m'sharos m'sisei saltaner. When is the bowl that you make dough next to the oven? Avi yom m'sharoshachaner tam. The oven is hot, right? It's at the time you're baking bread. So it sounds like the frogs didn't stop going to the oven. They jumped into burning hot, fiery furnaces, all because of Kiddush Hashem. So even though they didn't have a mitzvah, they were doing it. So we have a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. We should certainly sacrifice because of that. So that was their inspiration where they got from a whole discussion here in Taisvis. And this is one of the things that they, it seems that they weren't actually, they didn't have to give up their life. It was a willing, it was a desire to be Mikadosh Shemaim. A big discussion if a person is allowed to do that in a way, it's suicide, right? If someone holds a gun to your head, that's one thing. But otherwise, who says they're allowed to? So Tosis wants to learn up shot that they really weren't, they weren't being forced to jump into the fiery furnace in the story, but they did it, and they did it out of inspiration from, from, from the frogs who took that initiative themselves to jump into the furnace. So what does that have to do with us? So, the, so, so it must be that, that Todos Ishromi was a good person. If he said it's Vartara, he must be a good person. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Rav Avin Omar, You know what he used to do? He would stuff the, the wallets of Tamid Chachamim with money. And why did that make him great? Anyone who puts money into the wallet of a Tamachacham, he's going to be able to sit in the big yeshiva of Shemaim. The shelter of Chachma, which is Torah, comes from the cell, from the shelter there of the Kasef of money. So that's what Todas did. That's how he became such a great person. If the place it is where the place has a minnow that people light candles on Yom Kippur, they dafka light a lot of candles around the house. Malika, and then you do that. And the place where the minnow is not to light any candles on Yom Kippur. In Malika, then you should not light candles. Why would there be a minnow not to light candles on Yom Kippur? So we'll see in the Gemara. Malika, in any case, you're, even if you don't light 
candles in the house, you're allowed to light candles in the shul and in the base medrash, and in a dark alley, and for sick people. In other words, the, the minog only ossers lighting candles in a regular home in normal conditions. But whenever the light is really necessary, then it's okay. So what's the pshat in this minog? Again, some people have the minog dafka to light candles, which is us. Some people have the minog dafka not to light candles. So what's going on? Tana, the bride says, Everyone's trying to think, trying to get to the same exact purpose. What's the same exact purpose? There's an iser of bia of having relations on Yom Kippur. So everyone, everyone's trying to accomplish the same thing to make sure that relations won't happen. The people who are lighting candles, they're making sure because you're not allowed to have relations in the light. So if so, that's going to discourage the, the possibility of relations. And the opposite, the people who, who, are, who are not lighting any candles is that, is that a man and wife shouldn't see each other. So if they won't see each other, then, then there won't be any, uh, any cause for, for relations. So everyone's discussing with Dafka. The question is just is how the minute was doing. Dafka too light or Dafka not too light? Says the Gemara, Amr of Yeshua. Darash, Rav of Amekulam Tzadikim. All the Jewish people are holy people. Lo'olam Yershu Aretz. They're always going to inherit Aretz Yisrael. And that means, V'amech Kulam Tzadikim means everyone's on the same page. Some people are saying, Dafka light a lamp. Other people have a minute, Dafka not to light it. This is just a beautiful idea of Aminagim. Shneim lo neskavn Everyone's trying to get the same thing. Everyone's trying to accomplish the same goal. Everyone's trying to make sure that there's no Bia. It's just a question of what Minog made more sense. Zakti Gemara, very Negea to us, this next little sugya. Difficult sugya. Big sugya about making Maori Haish after Yom Kippur. The Baruch which is not a Berchas Anenin, a little bit of an introduction. You cannot make Barei Marei Eish whenever you want. It's not a Berchas Anenin the same way, you know, you make a Besamim. A Besamim, you can make whenever you want. We happen to be Machai of ourselves and do it on Matzei, on Matzei Shabbos, you can make it whenever you want. It's a Berchas Anenin. It's no different than making Yishahakul and eating food. Berchas haroya that you make on, on a fire is not that way. It's a Berchas HaShevach Vodotah Kodesh Baruch on fire, and it has to be triggered by a certain time that's it. Why now am I thankful to Hashem that I have fire? So what, what triggers that is Matzah Shabbos. Why? So Matzah Shabbos was the beginning of the time when the fire was created. That was the whole idea. Adam was banished from Gan Eden. We'll see about it on the next Almud. He felt very dark, alone, cold. And Hashem put in his mind the intuition how to rub together the, the rocks and make fire. So therefore on Matzah Shabbos, it's his mount of Shabbat Chodah. But if it's not Matzah Shabbos, you don't do it. So let's say it's a Matzah Yom Kippur and it's not Matzah Shabbos, then you do not make Marei Ha'esh. That's the first opinion. There was an old person, some people say it was Rabbi Barachana. He said to Rabbi Yudah, Yasher, you said good. Rabbi Yechanan agrees to that. I heard this also from Rabbi Yechanan. Ula was once riding on a donkey. I was shocked about Rabbi Abba Mimana. Rabbi Abba was walking along with his with the donkey on the right. Rabbi Barakana was smaller. Rabbi Barakana was on the left side. And then what happened? Rabbi Abba said to Ula, Is it true? I heard, I heard people are saying over from you, from you guys that this is said, that Rabbi Yochanan said you only make the Baruch Marish on Matzai Shabbos. Is this true that it was Bashem Rabbi Yochanan? So Hadar Ula, Chazabek, the Rabbi of Ula started staring down at Rabbi Barakana because it was Rabbi Barakana who was responsible for saying that, right? So Ula didn't say anything, but he gave a nasty look to Rabbi Barakana. What was the look of the, uh, why was his nasty look? He didn't hold Rabbi Yochanan ever said such a thing. And he didn't feel the halachas like that. He felt the halacha is you make Bari Moresh also on Matsuyum Kippur, even though it's not the time the fire was created. But there's newfound 
appreciation for fire on Matzah Yom Kippur. Why? Because you can't use fire, the whole Yom Kippur, to cook or do anything with the fire. So when you're now able to use fire for all of its needs, then you appreciate fire so much more. So he felt that the halacha should be that you make, you make Barim Ha'esha on Matzah Yom Kippur the same way you make it on Matzah Shabbos. So you're quoting, he, he heard that Rabbi Rechana said that you don't, so he gave Rabbi Rechana a nasty look, but it didn't say anything. Rabbi answered him, you know what? I actually didn't say this. I didn't say this. army. I said Rabbi Yochanan's statement about something else. Rabbi Yochanan, there's a bride, so someone who said a bride in front of Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shimon, if Yom Kippur is also Shabbos, even if they generally, you're in a minuk, where the place is not to light on Yom Kippur, but if it's Shabbos, you do light. That was what the Brisa said. Rabbi Yochanan responded to this Brisa that the Chacham disagree. If the minuk is not to light candles on Yom Kippur, you, light, you don't light it even if it's Shabbos. Because again, the whole point is to make sure that relations don't happen. So even if it's Shabbos, you can't have relations. So therefore they say that you should refrain from lighting the candle even if it happens to be Shabbos. This is what Rabbi Yochanan said. It has nothing to do with the other point, the other statement that we were making about whether you say Bar Mereish on Matzeh on Matze Yom Kippur. It could be Rabbi Yochanan agrees that you do. Now the Gemara says about the story, Amalei Adatei, Ula said to Rabbi, this is the truth. I agree. Rabbi Yochanan never said this. And it's, uh, I, I agree to this, that Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said this about this halacha, about lighting the candles on Yom Kippur and Shabbos, not about whether you say Barim or Eish Matzim Yom Kippur. Karli, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said about this pasuk regarding these people. That the idea of the eights of Levish, what your person is thinking inside is his heart, is like the water of Ishtivuna Yedlena. But a person who's very smart knows how to get out the water. Meaning a person has Torah in his heart. It takes a wise person to draw out the Torah that's inside of his heart. Ula didn't say anything. He just gave him a nasty look. He didn't rebuke him. He just gave him a nasty look to make it come out. He was able to understand what, what, what Ula was thinking from the way Ula looked at him. From the fact that Ula looked at him with a nasty look, he understood what Ula wanted and he responded uh, and he responded about it. And so we'll see tomorrow all the bigger discussion about the way we him. but we're ending today with setting up that there's going to be a machlokas if Bar should be made on Matzah Yom Kippur. On the one hand, it's not the time that fire was created. On the other hand, we appreciate fire more on Matzah Yom Kippur because we couldn't have used it for most of its usages for the last 24 hours.